If you were here last Sunday, how incredible a job did Joseph Anderson do in teaching us how to love and be kind to one another? I just want to take a moment and honor him. And the week before, if you were here, Pastor Lori, you did pretty good too. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. Okay, there's a rule when you come to church. If like 30 people start clapping, everyone joins in or else it feels like pity, okay? Don't do that. If I say something you like and like 20 of you are like, just join in, just like like a hockey game, someone scored a goal. Um, It doesn't happen if you cheer for the Habs or Leafs, but you can imagine it. So I want you to imagine that you are working for the best leader ever. And even if they function in their leadership, meaning they got to like hold the lines, they have to hold you accountable, they have to define mission. Even if they function as a leader, the question is, if they're the best leader ever, are they difficult to follow? The answer is usually no. And I want to acknowledge right off the top that when improperly applied, today's one another, it, it harms others. It harms people, sometimes deeply. Simultaneously, though, if we ignore the subject altogether, uh, we will eventually only harm ourselves. And so the one another today that we're digging into is submit to one another. I wish I stayed on holiday just one more week. (laughs) Our world and God's kingdom, they collide at the mistaken belief that anything or anyone restricting us is always wrong and to be resisted. God's kingdom and the kingdoms of this world collide at this place of intersection. You see, our world is increasingly defining freedom as being the self that you define or that you believe you are or to be fully autonomous from any other power structures. Yet God's word defines freedom differently. It defines freedom as being under the right authority. And the truth is we are all under something or we are all under someone. But the difference is the things that we are under, the powers and principalities that we are under, or the people that we are under, they are not all the same. If there's one common thread that we could weave throughout in our entire summer of one another, it is this, is that these are not so much principles to do They are that, but they come from allowing Christ to form us on the inside first. And if he doesn't do that, then it doesn't really matter what we do. It's this inside work of the spirit that then flows out on the outside. Let me give you some examples. Our world is very, very attuned to the idea of submission. If somebody is having a terrible time and their life is about to hit rock bottom, there's an expression for it in English, and it is that they are going under. Under what? If you and I, if you are out and you consume alcohol, and you consume one glass too many, then you are under the influence that means you cannot drive. You cannot operate a boat. The same thing whether it is with whatever it is you're drinking now and whatever it is you're smoking now. We understand that you're under the influence of it. We understand in athletics that there's a head coach and they define ice time, who plays. We understand as a teacher in a classroom, we we understand that the language of submission is all around us. Let me give you one more and give you two layers of discipleship. It is one thing to every single month be under the weight of an incoming bill. You know that bill's coming. 
and it's a bill for your cell phone and it costs X amount. It used to be that contracts were based on the character of the individual loaning and the person receiving the loan. I know Farmer Ted, he's a really honest stand-up guy, so we can loan him this for his farm because his word is his bond, he's good for it. Farmer Ted will pay us back. We no longer believe that as a culture. And so because we don't trust one another, the only place we need now to go to is this thing called law, which is why with your cell phone, if you don't pay it, there's a thing called an interest penalty. It is baked into the language of the contract that we inherently don't trust you. It's not based on your character. Now it's based on contractual understanding. And so again, we can, oftentimes the world, when you're about to make a decision, you're about to re-up your cell phone contract for two more years, or you're about to take out a home mortgage, or a car loan, or a, an insurance policy, or whatever it is, you're, you're going to go buy a pair of pants from Old Navy. The world wants you to think about it in this way. Can I afford it? And this is layer one. How many know that's a really good thing to ask yourselves? Some of you are like, I've never thought of that. That would be an amazing first step. Can I afford it? Can I afford this? Right? Can I afford it? That's a great first step. The deeper place of discipleship you should ask yourself is this. Saying yes to come under the small L lordship of this, how will it affect my ability to say yes to what God may have me give? So if I say yes too much to Visa, Visa becomes Lord. And therefore, I can no longer say yes to steward or to do what God has asked me to do in the area of finances. And so for Lori and I, when we're about to make a decision, level one is can we afford it? And we have those conversations. The deeper level is if we say yes to this, and God asks us to be generous here, will this, how will this yes impact this? Here's what I'm saying. I don't say it often. I don't walk into my, my cell phone provider's Rogers. I don't walk in and say, today I'm coming under your lordship. But I am precisely for two years. <laughs> when we sign at a bank and we say, like, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm here to come under your lordship. So what I'm driving at in this is we don't talk about submission a lot, but it's actually inherent into a lot of our relationships. It's an inherent to a lot of the things that we do. We don't say it out loud, but it's there and it's got teeth. In, some, in the financial sense, it's got percentage teeth that escalate. It's a reason why a mortgage is actually called a death grip. Right? A mortician, mortgage. So submission in the scriptures is meant to be a blessing. Enslavement is always a bondage. And sometimes, please hear me with both ears and your whole heart, sometimes we we misinterpret freedom because the thing that we are under does not care about us at all. And we think that we are free, but we are truly enslaved. See, darkness never cares for you. It only ever uses you to defy God. Jesus only cares for you. He never uses you in the way darkness does. So when we use others for exclusively our gain, we are influencing in the way of darkness. And when we serve others for their Christ-like gain, we are 
now beginning to lead in the way of Jesus. And while we may use many words to describe being a Christian, nobody will surrender, follow, or trust Jesus as Savior and Lord until and unless they first submit to him as Savior and Lord. Nobody follows Jesus without submission. For some of you, it was a moment where you let Jesus be Savior and Lord. For others of you, it may not even have been a defined moment. It was a progressive relationship where one day you just found yourself, to God be the glory, either way he does it. But at some point, you actually said these words. To say Jesus is Savior means I am now abdicating the role of trying to save myself. To say Jesus is Lord means that everything doesn't rest on me. Everything rests on God who owns all things and yet he entrusts me to steward some things that always feel too heavy but I'm not alone, that's a lie. It is God in me, God with me and the body of Christ that we can carry together what God is asking us to steward. And so biblical submission is this higher call to develop the Christ-like character necessary to be more like Jesus and therefore steward our influence over others lovingly and beneficial, beneficially. It's interesting to me, I, I read this in a book this week and I don't remember which, I'm reading a couple right now, but they said it's interesting, that the, the thought was this, if you know the Old Testament, you know there was a person named Moses, this person named Moses went up and spent time with God, so much so that their countenance shone when God gave them the law. And Moses comes down, and what do the people do as Moses' countenance shines? What do they do? They are repelled from it, and they ask him to cover his face. Yet when Jesus comes, who is full, full grace and law and truth, people are actually drawn to him. It's an interesting observation, even in scripture, that why do I say that? Because when it comes to submission, if it's only law, people will be repelled from it. If it's only just smack, power, authority, this is not the way of Jesus. The perfect picture of leadership, I hope when I said at the beginning, asked you the question, picture the perfect leader, I hope you picture Jesus. Because as Jesus loved and Jesus led and Jesus did some incredible leadership things, people were not repelled from him, they were actually drawn to him. This is the picture, this is the picture. Biblical submission is being subordinate, arranged under, to bring under influence, to be obedient and submissive. And notice how James speaks about submission and conflict. He says that this higher call on our character requires two things. The first is wisdom from above, and the second is a warning against worldliness. What is worldliness at its basis definition? Worldliness is at its basis definition excusing Jesus and trying to be our own savior and Lord. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions. Everyone just say your passions. Like your passions are at war within you. I feel that every single time I start a diet. I do. I honestly do. I feel the same war every single time I want to do something that's, that I don't have mastery over. If I want to be more generous, if I want to be more kind, if I want to be more loving, everyone conceptually agrees with the idea of these things. It's just hard to sometimes execute these things when other things are Lord and not Jesus. 
Your passions are at war within you. Now what does James say? The first step he says is this, submit yourself therefore to God. Most Christians, if I'm honest, omit that step and they go right to step two. There are some of you who are getting wiped out every single week because you are trying to resist the enemy in your own strength and you will never be strong enough. You'll never be strong enough. Oh, I am strong, I am. You are strong in Christ, not in knowledge, in empathy, in spiritual gift, in how long I've been around church and know how to say churchy things. None of that means anything against the kingdom of darkness. Yet in Christ, submitted to. This is the language. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I promise you, you've never pulled that daily bread. That was a joke, by the way. You know, when you pull the scriptures, you, you've all, yeah, exactly. You've all, thank you, I appreciate that. You've, you've all pulled Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and harm you, not to hurt you, your plans in the future. You've never pulled that one, but that one is equally applicable. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will what? He will, he'll exalt you. Notice how our culture, our culture wants exaltation without humility. It wants freedom from, but never submitting to. This is the way of darkness. Notice this is for all followers of Christ. And here's what I want you to know, that our submission to God is primary and you never graduate from it. It doesn't matter what God calls you to do, you never graduate from submission to God. And this is the same for all Christ followers. And we're okay with this, providing our submission aligns with what we want. I am fine with submission as long as it aligns with what I want. Aren't you? It's when difference is introduced that I feel that wrestle inside. And so we're gonna apply it to church leadership today, uh, but you could apply this to anywhere influence and leadership or submission is talked about, whether it's marriage, parenting, workplaces, even governing leaderships. But I save that one for another day. When it comes to church leadership, understanding submission to one another, the Bible weaves two essentials, an entrusted responsibility and a respectful response. Let me just pause here. You're going to find today I'm going to stick tighter to my notes than a little bit of offshoots, and here's why. In the body of Christ, we have a power deficiency, and we are trying to overcome power deficiencies by personal charisma. This is not the way. We will see more of the power of God in the church when we submit properly to God and his word in the church, okay? And so I want to tie a little bit tighter to my notes, and I've rewritten them 12 times, and I still don't think they're that great, but I'm going to tie to my notes, and here's another reason why. In a lot of churches, the idea of submission has wounded and harmed so much, and so if I step to the left or step to the right a little too far, I'm going to, even for the sake of humor, I'm going to land on a landmine, and I don't want to cause you unnecessary harm. I do want God's word to be clear, but not my words to be harmful. So we're going to apply it to church leadership, but it can be applied to marriage, parenting, workplaces, governing leadership. When it comes to church leadership, understanding submission to one another, the Bible, again, weaves two essentials, an entrusted responsibility on leaders and then a respectful response on followers. Within the body of Christ, some, everyone say some, 
Some have an entrusted responsibility to equip other Christians for the work of ministry, not to do all the work of ministry so that they don't do any work of ministry themselves. That is not biblical leadership. Since he gave them apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. If you're in academia, that might be professor, that then might be, or that may be dean of the school, professor, and then TA. If you're in you know, secondary or post-secondary, principal, vice principal. We're normal with these, you know, head coach, owner, GM, head coach, language, authority. We gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. It's, it's, it's talking about what it is in the church. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And also within this entrusted responsibility, there's a call to care and to teach. And I want you to really hear this next one, Acts 20, verses 28, and we're gonna pause. Here's what it says. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves. The Bible does not say pay careful attention to yourself so that you can be selfish and self-centered. Here's what it's doing. Jim Collins had it in Good to Great that I love, which is this. Here is all of our temptation. If you, are start, if you have any type of influence at all, here's the temptation. The temptation is always to look through the window and not into the mirror. So I'll give you an example. If you're a parent, it's always those darn kids. <laughs> window, not mirror, okay? If you're a teacher, it's the darn students. If you're a pastor, <laughs> it's blessed to be in having an amazing church. <laughs> if you're a politician, it's those constituents. So what does the scripture say? Pay careful attention to yourselves. Because your temptation is always going to be to blame others rather than take responsibility. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, and I love Acts 28, how it ends. Here's what it says. Which he obtained, Jesus obtained, by his own blood. What's the dot, dot, dot there? Not by your blood. It's this beautiful language of alignment, like pay attention, but don't pretend for one day that just because you're a leader, an overseer, that you're the savior of this thing, you're not. Don't think it's yours. And the same is true with a family. The same is true with a marriage. The same is true if you're a supervisor. The same is true in biblical understanding of it. The same is true. If you are entrusted with the honor of leading people, pay attention to yourself and to all the flock, not just your favorites, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then it says, Titus chapter one, verse nine says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So leadership that serves others doesn't always look soft. Sometimes it's incredibly strong, but the motive has to be love. It always has to be love. Parenting doesn't always look soft. Number one way is a parent can spoil a child is to give them no boundaries whatsoever. To give a child no boundaries whatsoever makes a child feel loveless. And they will search for them anywhere they can find them. 
The picture of health in the New Testament is where all of us as brothers and sisters submit to Jesus. And then from this place of mutual submission to Jesus, we then see differing entrustments of responsibility and respectful responses to one another. Even if you are given the honor to have leadership or stewardship in any capacity whatsoever, just because you have that never makes you better than and it never excuses you from the same submission that everyone else is doing. It is dangerous in any organization where the leader, whether it's a he or a she, it is dangerous in any type of church or organization where the rules apply to those under but not to the ones leading. This is always unbiblical. This is not the way of Jesus. Whether it is small or it's large and it's something we're all growing in, Remember, the final picture Jesus gave his disciples regarding leadership would not be found in most Canadian CEO books because it looked like Jesus washing their feet. This, by the way, in the biblical sense, becoming a foot washer is not something you do in an illustration and then graduate from. It is the forever posture that Jesus gave the church. In fact, it is the only way that we can fulfill any of the love one another's, is if we maintain this posture. But here's what's true of you, and maybe here's what's definitely true of me. I don't always love being in that posture. Sometimes I want you to metaphorically wash my feet. Never, never literally. <laughs> like, I don't want a hug. That's next level. <laughs> hey, just take off your shoes. No. <laughs> so what happens when the unhealthy really gets in? What are the, the boundaries, the limits? A limit, in, a limit is when a leader only functions as a master and not a servant, your little spider sense should start tingling. When leadership becomes about position and power or a desire to rule rather than to serve, a New Testament leader has departed following the example of Jesus. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Now again, I said a moment ago, sometimes serving looks like taking positions of strength, but the motive must be love. Oh, everyone do this with me. Say these words. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. That is how you apologize. Because if you have any type of leadership, you're going to mess it up. Not because you want to, just because not every part of your character is formed like Jesus. This doesn't make you deficient, this makes you human. It's also not an excuse. What does the scripture say? That we as leaders with influence, and all of us are, you say, well, how, how come you're addressing all of us as leaders? Well, the number one thing you're all called to lead is yourself. The second thing is every single person who confesses Jesus as Lord is given the spiritual responsibility of making disciples of other people. That's a position of leadership. But if all you want to do is control and change them, you'll never make disciples. But if you want to love them and serve them into the kingdom, watch out. Some of you are disqualifying yourself from positions of stewardship and leadership because you don't see yourself as one. And you need to see yourself not above, but you need to see yourself engaged. I am sorry, I got it wrong. 
I am sorry. Would you forgive me? Here's what an apology doesn't sound like. I am sorry, but you did. That's not an apology. That's an ongoing conversation. (laughs) I've been in them. I've done them. I'm really sorry, but I need you to understand A, B, C, D, E, F. Do you know what it looks like and sounds like? It sounds like my Rogers contract. (laughs) Dylan, you are my favorite. (laughs) It sounds like my Rogers contract. Do you know why? Because it is. Because what we're trying to reestablish in relationships when we do the A, B, C, D, one, two, three, all of it, what are we trying to reestablish? Trust. Okay. Let me end here. Another healthy limit in the New Testament is twofold. Let's remember this. No leader is infallible. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. They never replace Christ. Once again, get your, get your little spiritual spider sense tingling whenever somebody is like, I'm the only one to do this. Look, I believe in assignments. I believe in, you know, I, I believe in divine assignments. I believe in divine callings. I, I believe in that. I just do not believe that you are the hero of Scripture ever. Jesus is always, forever, and forevermore. Some unhealthy leaders in the church use language and superhero, superpower language, and it's to mask their insecurity. Because if you're really secure, you don't need to say it. Just serve and do it. He says, here's how Jesus addresses this. But you are not called to be rabbi, for you have one teacher. You're all brothers. You're all brothers, places of equality. And call no man on earth your father, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you should be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, Metaphor. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Jesus isn't saying, pluck it out. He's saying the same thing here. He's not saying, you know, my kids can't call me dad, father, because you have one father. He's not saying you can't go to your teacher and say, instructor, if that's what they're called. He's not saying that. What he's actually saying is don't put them in the place that's reserved for God. Just understand that, that you've got lots of that, but only one of those. This is what Jesus is saying. So in the church, the posture of mutual submission is the foundation of accountability. And this mutual relationship of responsibility and respect has defined boundaries. And servant leaders, they are entrusted to steward their entrusted responsibility to equip, to care for, and to teach as a member of the church. And servant followers in the church steward their respected response and from love and to honor God, submit so that there is peace and a gospel-centered focus in the church. Do you know one of the dominant issues in our time today is the world cannot hear the gospel because of all of our infighting. It's just so much noise. And submission doesn't mean that we always agree. Turn to the person beside you and say, I don't even agree with your choice of perfume today. <laughs> no, don't do that. That would be rude. But the truth is, submission doesn't mean that we all agree all the time. 
Like I've sat with marital couples and the husband's like, man, she's called to submit. And I'm like, you're called to love her the way Jesus loves the church. And if you did that, it wouldn't be an issue or it would be a different issue. But you cannot command it. You cannot edict it. You ain't Christ. And this is not the way Jesus lived. This is the Moses stuff that people are like repelled from. This is just law. And it's not that the law needs to be diminished. It is perfect in all of its ways. But Jesus sowed us truth also with this anesthetic called grace. Aren't you, when, when I, this summer I had my eyes lasered. And here's what I was really, really happy about. As I lied on the table, and the person performing it and the, and the nurses who were there, here's what they said to me. They said, you're doing so well. And I responded, I'm not doing anything. I'm <laughs> like, you're working. Like, I'm literally like, you got this contraption on my eyeball. I can't shut it. You're doing so good. I feel this is a false platitude. <laughs> and they said, do you have any questions? And I said, I would like to actually, yeah, yeah, I do. Do you know when Jesus is coming back? I didn't ask. No, I meant questions about your eyes. Oh, no, they're good. Laser them away. Do what you do. But I was happy that they put on my eye this numbing cream. I didn't even know my eye could feel. Turns out it can. But I was happy to be under the influence of numbing cream. Until about 30 minutes later, I was no longer under the influence And then I was under the influence of tears, which became 2020 vision. What a thing. Please remember leaders are never infallible, nor are they ever to be pedestaled in the place of Jesus. The leader is never above the church. The church is never above the leader. Both are equal and they're called to submit to Christ. Both, my illustration of the eyes is we gotta be under stuff, they're under the right stuff while they carry out different functions in the power of the Spirit who knows all things. A final caution. You cannot say you submit to God and you submit to nobody on earth. It doesn't work that way. Study the book of Jonah and you will discover if you harden your heart to others, your heart will also become hardened to God. I wanna close with not my words, but James four from the message. You're cheating on God. You're cheating on God if all you want is your own way. Flirting with the world every chance you get, you'll end up enemies of God in his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but God gives grace to the willing humble. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Submission. Get down on your knees before your master, before the master. It's the only way you'll ever get on your feet. May the Lord bless you.